Welcome to Beyond the Shoots is presented by Parasite Systems. I'm your host, Doug Simcox, and I hope you're having a great day. If you are driving, please keep both hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road. Please be safe in your travels. Today I'm recording in Taylorsville, Kentucky, and we have on the phone Mr. Cliff Hollywood Harris, a rodeo entertainer. Cliff, how are you today? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely wonderful, Doug. Thank you for having me. Oh, great to have you on. Finally, we get to have you on. Where are you today? What are you up to? I am in Ocala, Florida, and uh, there's a new poker room that opened today. And so I am celebrating the new poker room opening by playing poker today. <laughs> Good. <laughs> How's it going so far? Um, I won the first hand and then I think I'm about even right about now. Um, just a little bit in, I've only sat down there for about an hour or so. So it's a brand new room. They're kind of getting the wrinkles out of it and whatnot. But a lot of people I know, we play a lot of poker. So it's it's a neat room. Cool. They've done a good job setting it up for you. They did. And it's right here at the OBS, Ocala Breeders Sales. So they have five sales a year and tons of money comes in here from all over the world mm-hmm. selling thoroughbred horses. Wow. So I think this poker room will pay off in the long run on most days, especially. You bet. You bet. And what, what game or games are you playing today? I've specialized in Texas Hold'em, period. Texas Hold'em. And small stakes, you know, uh, one, two, one, three, maybe some two, five. And those are kind of small and medium stakes uh, Hold'em. And how long have you been playing poker, Cliff? Oh, since the poker boom, probably uh, 2003 when Chris Moneymaker won the money and everybody, you know, just your average joke and go out there and win $9 million at the poker tournament. (laughs) It's what everybody thought. So everybody got in back then. I played online while we could. And then um, uh, I've been playing for since then, you know, it's 20 years or so and uh, uh, a lot. And all over the country, we play as we travel. I've got a girlfriend now that loves to play poker. And then so we play, we go to poker rooms in between rodeos, actually. And um, it's been really good. Uh, you know, I went to the World Series last year and uh, I won one uh, right after the bottom Texas rodeo. I went up there and won a World Series of Poker event, and I have got my picture, champion of World WSOP 79. <laughs> Ain't nobody back here got one. <laughs> so I cool. just knew I was going to go back out there in November when they had their second tournament and get me a ring, by golly, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, I went out there and dumped off my whole bankroll like a moron. <laughs> So I had to come home last year broke for the winter, you know, yeah, as far uh-huh. as poker poker broke as the, as we go. Uh-huh. But uh, this this year I come back with a little bit, and we're just going to try to keep grinding it up a little. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do to stay practiced and stay fresh in poker? What do you what do you do? <sighs> Believe it or not, there's a science behind it. Now, back in the day, like I said, anybody could go out there and get half ass lucky, yeah. and play a little bit good and go a long ways. And now there's tons of pros. Okay. So we actually have um, a pro- uh, hardware programming that I, what I'll do is I'll take notes here today, and I'll go home and plug these notes of what happened in what situation into a computer into a solver. And it tells me where I was with my equity all along during the hand. So these kids, that these young people that sit down, you can pick them apart. But, I mean, you can, you can find out who they are. But when they sit down and make the correct bet sizes and the correct situations, you know they study the game. It's called GTO, Game Theory Optimal Strategy. 
And so if they study the game and you study the game, then it's two computers playing against each other, basically, because we've gone home and we've put the numbers in a million times. We know where we're at with certain hands. And it's like two computers playing against each other. That's why at the World Series of Poker now, the final table is all 30-year-old guys, mm-hmm. never an old one. Okay. And because they study the game as a science, and it's about position. So, But then also, you come down here to these rooms, and there's eight old guys on the table with you. They can't even spell GTO. Right. So, And, and it, we call it old man coffee then. It's just old men playing, and they've been playing for 40 years, by God, and that's the way I play. Yeah. And so then it's exploitative strategies, you know, exploit what they're doing wrong. But against the young guys, it's a tough game nowadays. Okay. So, you know, you have to stay alert. You have to stay practiced. And, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this, I'm going to keep doing this at a profit. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm tired of just kind of getting along and making a little here and a little there. I'm ready to, you know, really step it up and, and, and put some time and effort into it. And the only thing you got to do is find a game you can beat mm-hmm. and play it a lot, mm-hmm. like 60 hours a week. So that's Ooh, what really? in, in December, that's what I'm planning on doing. We've got fixing my mother-in-law's house right now. And, um, uh, and when December comes along, I'm going to move my ho- motor home over there and sit and play 30 days and see what a 30-day sampling looks like. Really? And 60 hours a week, you're headed towards that kind of play? Yes. Wow. 40, 40 to 60, yeah. Holy cow. And When they're giving away money, you want to be sitting in the yeah. clock. Yeah. And and how do you do that? You got to stay at least even, right? You got you to stay liquid. Um, so how do you do that with 60... I, uh, and I don't know a ton about poker, but my golly, it can move pretty quick. Are you a guy that pushes all in, that sort of thing? Well, in the certain hands, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know, it is a no-limit poker. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in order to stay pretty solvent in a in a small-stakes game like this, you need between five dollars and $6,000 as a bankroll really? in that kind of stakes. Okay. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's no game, you know, and, and, and to play it right. Because, you know, I've, I've gone on downswings like for two, three months at a time. Yeah. Where you you can't hit a you can't hit a flush and everybody hits a flush on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But that's that's what happens in that game. Okay. But you know there is a luck factor to it. But mm-hmm. the, the the better players always uh, end up winning in the long run. It's a yeah. long run game. So so no more poker faces <laughs> reading your opponent that sort of thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah. a lot of that that goes on, especially in the exploitative game. You know, and there's certain tells. You know. That, that guys put off and I'm pretty good at it. And we call it snapping off a bluff. Okay. And in fact, last, last night, uh, uh, the very same thing had, I had the ACE four and, uh, the guy, a guy raised to my right and I called him and the flop come. I forget what it was really 10 something, something and giving me a diamond draw. I had the ACE four diamonds. It gives me a diamond draw. And then the board paired 10 and then I bet uh, with an ace on the river, I bet 60 bucks and he shoves for 260. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, crap, you know, and and I've been practicing folding in those situations when I think I'm beat and I know I'm beat. Yeah. I like folding, but there's a lot of places I can, I can read that guy pretty good and read what he's done and how he's bet. And, you know, this doesn't make sense. If it never makes sense, it's a bluff. Yeah. So anyway, I folded my cards to him, oh, no. and when I got up and moved to another table, I turned to him. And I said, "Hey, what'd you have on that hand?" He goes, "Pocket fours." I'm like crap, I yeah. had him beat. Yeah. I, yeah. I ain't crushed. 
Yeah. And he just pushed all in and, and, and pushed me off a hand. So, yes, that does happen. Bluffing happens okay. a lot. Okay. And, and um, do you bluff? In certain spots. <laughs> and I, 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 I shouldn't ask that because uh, no, if anybody's okay. listening. <laughs> no, no it's, not, it's fine. Bluffing is part of poker. Uh, yeah, yeah. And in certain spots, you, you have to bluff. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you're not bluffing a little bit on the river, then you're not, getting, you're not taking enough money home. Okay. Okay. And I hear the term slow play and all that sort of thing when I watch it on yeah, TV. Yeah, that's what dumb players do. <laughs> You're not a slow player? <laughs> that's when you get pocket aces and you just check or you yeah, just call. Yeah, yeah. No, that's when six people end up calling and two, four beats you because he flopped two pairs. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what I mean? That's why you always got to raise your good hands. And the only time you want to slow play something yeah. is when you like flop quads or you flop the best hand possible. You might want to check at a time or two. Yeah. And I did just that down in Mississippi, flop quad aces. I, I had $1,500 in front of me, and the guy across from me had 6800 and he snap-folded. Snap I was trying to get all this money. Yeah, yeah. But any, any snap-folded, and there you go. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun, and it keeps my mind sharp. I was going to say, you got to be thinking all the way through. And and if you're going to do sixty hours, I mean, do you just get, do you ever just get tired of playing, Cliff? Yeah, you yeah. get tired of sitting because yeah, it's yeah. a lot of discipline. You get yeah. tired of sitting and waiting on hands. Yeah. Um, if the poker room is right, but what I do is I take my motor home. Okay. And my motorhome's out in the parking lot, and a couple of these places, it's nothing but grass yeah. and beautiful little pasture. And me and the dog, I'll I'll, I'll do five hours, and then go outside and take okay. a couple hour break. Okay. And uh, run the dog, eat some supper at the motorhome, and then come back in for a tournament later. I okay. like playing tournaments, but more money made in cash games. Really, in 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 cash games. So when a cash when you say cash game, you're walking into a game, right? How many players yep. might there be? And eight and, to nine. Eight to nine. And how long might that game last? Just a typical cash game. <clears throat> well, you, it can be going when you sit down, and it can be running into the night as okay. players come and go. Okay. You can get up whenever you want. Okay. You know what I mean. Okay. So I, okay. I'll sit there. And, you know, if 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 you win quite a bit, and then all of a sudden the cards kind of cold dead. You know, you can might want to get up and lock your money up and come back in a couple of hours or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But, okay. uh, you know, so there's a lot of little strategies to it. But if things are going well and you're playing right, you just need to sit right there and wait. Okay. Okay. And then a tournament. Um, how long might a tournament run? And you you can't get up and leave in a tournament, right? Correct. No, you can't get up and leave in a tournament. It, it could run. Most of these small tournaments run three to five hours, somewhere okay. in there. Okay. And the, uh, the ones out in Vegas, you know, they go. They go about, you know, they have 30 or 90 minute blinds. Should they, some of those tournaments are three, four day tournaments. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One of them, the big one is like a six day tournament. I think when they're all done. Holy cow. Yeah. 12 hours a day for six days with your mind just processing constantly. You, you know, bet. that's a lot. I mean, you're lot. constantly calculating odds. You're constantly trying to figure out your, your wins, um, and so forth. What, what they might have. Correct. Oh, yeah, wow. you kind of know. There's only, you know, there's 52 cars, so it mm -hmm. makes the math pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Hey, buddy. And um, it, it makes math pretty simple. So, you know, um, it, it it is a math game, and you can't beat the math. Okay. You know? Okay. So you just kind of have to stay in there. And, you know, when when there's four, when you have four to one, when your odds are four to one, if you don't win enough that one time to pay for the other three, 
then you don't need to be calling. That's kind of how that's kind of how gambling goes. I see. I see. Okay. Well, I appreciate all that. I think our listeners going to yeah, enjoy man. this. Man, you you've got it going on. And when I introduced you, I introduced you as a rodeo entertainer, and I and and I'm I need to keep up politically and everything. Things are transitioning from a rodeo clown. That's what we used to. That's what I used to know him as. Know you as. Yep. And and what is proper today? What. Um, uh, what, what, uh, what, what, yeah, yeah. What's proper me, today? Yeah. For, for me? Yeah. Honk, honk, I'm a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a damn clown and I ain't worried about it. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. You can call me clown all the way to the bank. <laughs> there you, you know, go. And you can be entertainer. And what, you know, there's a big story behind that when mm-hmm. Flint wanted to be called an entertainer. And I can tell you why. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that point, if you want, but, um, it's it's i'm a clown man and i love the 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 art of clowning i love the art of of you know pantomime and trying to tell your story through your body and 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 your face and you know i, I went a long time with no mic right so you know i kind of kind of kind of um expanded on those skills then in my early days you bet and that's what a lot of our listeners may not know uh and it wasn't that terribly long ago 20 years ago you you weren't mic'd up when you walked into the arena if you told a joke this is how i remember it anyway maybe longer than 20 years i remember the 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 clown uh, the rodeo clown would actually give the the joke to the announcer and step him through it right most people would myself <laughs> yeah i learned i learned early on there's this clown who taught me a couple of things that one of the first ones I fought bulls at he was a funny man and he was the loudest voice in pro rodeo he okay. could holler okay and he would position himself to where when he hollered at the announcer yeah everyone could hear him I see I see so you don't okay. stand never would you catch me <laughs> standing underneath the announcer stand looking up at the announcer telling a joke mm-hmm. I'm over there right in the middle of the crowd hollering <laughs> all the way across the announce all the way across the arena to the announcer okay and if he would go hey I can't hear you well I was like duh everybody yeah. else could though <laughs> so you know that's that's I learned hollering from a long time ago okay. and so that's what screws me up a little bit today. I still want to holler and scream into my damn microphone. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Overmodulate a little bit. There you go. And and you talked about this influence from this clown that, that taught you something. There were two clowns I read that uh, out of Texas, and we're going to get into you growing up, but Dan and Billy Willis, they you yeah. said, okay, tell us a little bit about these, these folks. Well, Dan and Billy Willis worked for my dad at a feedlot in Waco, Texas. And Dan Willis was the 63 rookie of the year in the PRCA. Oh, wow. And I think he won Houston while he worked for my dad and won 800 bucks and quit his job <laughs> and then went off and lost his money and then come back and work for my dad. So my dad would always say, you, we don't want you to be one of them damn rope bull riders like that, you know, being gone off and then have to come back to work, you know, stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. he's on the gambling side in that. And, um, because my dad was, was steady, went to, you know, the army and then college and the whole nine yards. And, um, these guys, these bull riders were, well, I wanted to ride bulls, man. All mm-hmm. I wanted to do was be a bull rider and a clown. Cause Dan and Billy Willis were bull riders and clowns. I see. And believe it or not, um, uh, 
later on in my career, uh, I was working a rodeo in West Texas, just north of uh, Waco. And Dan Willis had six at six. It was the agricultural show hmm. at 6 a.m. on Channel 6 in Waco. Hmm. And he came out and interviewed me. One of my high points uh, at, at, interviewed me at the rodeo for the morning show and everything Dan Willis did. So, And I was at a rodeo, and I liked it in Texas, especially in Texas. And I'll say, hey, I started out rodeoing when I was a kid, and I knew Dan and Billy Willis. And somebody, usually an old man, will come up to me and go, hey, I knew Dan Willis. Well, this girl, a little barrel racer, comes running up to me and goes, Dan Willis is my papa. Oh, no. I was like, what? He's yeah. my grandfather. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. And so she hooked me up with him, and I got back in touch with Dan's son, Bob Willis, and who trades cattle and sends a lot of cattle to Florida, and uh, got back in touch with everybody. And uh, fortunately, I was uh, – unfortunately, he was in a nursing home in Clifton, Texas. But fortunately, uh, I got to go by and see him and uh, hang out with him quite a while and um, and uh, just show him a bunch of pictures of me and my kid and talk to him a lot. And, and uh, um, But he – um. He ended up passing just a couple of weeks back. Oh my! Oh and my! So that's Dan, Dan Willis. So yeah, we and a lot of people know him, and from from Donnie Gay on down to everybody, you know, Dan was quite the rodeo hand. Okay, okay, all right. So tell us a little bit about you talked about your dad coming up through army and college and and feedlots and all that. Tell us, tell us growing up about Cliff growing up in in Texas. Earliest memories forward, if you would please. Well, I was a little shit. <laughs> Number one, let's just yeah. say that right now. Okay. I was, I, I, if my mom and dad are listening from heaven, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I, was, I was a turd, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. Um, as far as kids go, I had, a, I had one that was brilliant as a child and, and unbelievably kind as a child and never stepped out of, well, mm. that wasn't me. Okay, I don't know where in the hell I got my kid from, but that wasn't me. But uh, we grew up in Waco, Texas, and my dad had the feedlot. So, you know, that's kind of what I knew, you know, cow dogs and cows. And uh, and I would walk around the Waco, Texas feedlot, and I, I mean the Waco, Texas sale barn, and I sold poppers. Poppers. As a kid. I, you know, a popper is is the, uh, pop, the string that goes on the end of a whip. Oh. And in Texas, uh, people, you know, moving cattle, a lot of them have little uh, – bull whips they call them bull whips in florida they're only about six feet long okay and um uh but i walked around with a bull whip slung over my shoulder like all the cowboys and uh, i'd have to take half the red man out of the package <laughs> to where i could roll up the package small enough to where it fit in my back pocket okay a whole a whole bag of red man now, wouldn't fit in my pocket now hold on a second hold on a second you're chewing red man tobacco at what age Oh, I wasn't chewing. I was just carrying it around trying to be oh, big. Oh, oh, I see. So you I always put it in had... my mouth. I probably put it in my mouth once or twice. Got sick. Yeah, I just yeah. around so they know I'm grown up. But you always had. A, but you always had a pack of it in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, red man. And yeah. you always had a. You always had a bull whip over your shoulder. Yeah, and okay. we went to the sale barn all the time, and you know, working cows was my thing. You know that I thought. You know, growing up. But anyway. My dad moved us to Florida in 1970 to ship Kettle West. Oh, okay. And that's how we ended up in Florida. And um, when I came down here, that's all we ever did was ship cattle. Okay. So, you know, I went to school and come Thursdays, my dad my dad was gone to the sale Monday through Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he'd come home either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. And we'd be at the barn 
after school sorting cattle and shipping all weekend, you know, hopefully the barn would be empty come Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so we'd be shipping cattle West. Okay. And he always said that we were 10 years too late. Okay. And we moved there in 70. And what he meant by that is we were 10 years too late for extreme wealth. Okay. To actually, build, okay. To actually, actually, my dad did very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. But for extreme wealth, like, like Wallace Cobb or Foy Reynolds, okay. they, they okay. came down in 1960 and Gerald Dara from South Florida started shipping in the fifties and sixties. And it was gravy back then. And, okay. and everybody in the, in the country wanted Florida cattle and, um, you could sell them right and left and pile a bunch of money on them. Okay. So they made tons of, they made real wealth to where they could buy land and things like that okay. for, okay. for centuries, you know, okay. for a long time, for generations actually. And so, in '73, I watched them lose every. We lost everything we had. The, the, really, the market market fell, uh-huh. and uh, my dad had two thousand head in Oregon on grass, uh-huh. and his partner backed out on him. Oh wow! So we actually had to sell a nice house, move into some apartments, stack everything in storage in them apartments and stuff. You know, I, I watched them, you know, go through going broke, and then uh, and then it all back up my dad did when we moved out to one of the nicest uh, houses in one of the nicest neighborhoods in town you know okay so it all came back plus some you know and and after he passed away when he was 56 he got lung cancer oh wow and so um right about the time he got sick i got i came home from college i quit college about two years in yeah and i come home and uh i got a cattle buy job from lights a cattle killing outfit a meat company <laughs> right about the time my dad got sick. And so as soon as he passed away, the uh, likes moved me to North Florida and I did five sales a week and bought, I uh, routed six or eight trucks and probably bought $2 million worth of cattle a week. Oh, you wow. Know? Okay. We had three feedlots in South Texas. And if it was a good heifer, I owned her when she come through the sale because we see. needed lots of cattle at those. So we played the premium, premium, but um, anyway, that was, and then they quit killing cows when I, I moved up to Foy Reynolds Cattle Company and I was, uh, uh, unloading my car and I heard them clang, 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 bucking, hey, they're bucking bulls somewhere. Oh, we wow. go around back and Foy Reynolds and, uh, which he had tons of stuff that used to go to, he actually had, you might be familiar with North Washington PA. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Foy started that rodeo. He was up and down, uh, Reynolds rodeo company, PRCA. He was up and down the East coast over there. And anyway, um, they were bucking bulls. And I stepped up on the back of the sheets there and, you know, I, I rode bucking horses all through high school and college and, mm-hmm. and, and clown just a little bit. I wanted to turn some bulls back one time. Mm-hmm. But I was pretty good with cattle growing up. And so the uh, I said, Mr. Foy, you ain't got nobody turning your bulls back. He goes, well, get out there, Packer Meyer. <laughs> and Packer I had my Brogan boots on, you okay. know, and I just stepped out there and I took that bull to the left, put my hand on him, just walked in a circle with him like I've been doing it a million years. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, catch this bull the other way. Yeah. And I caught that bull. And then he says, hey, this time, just catch him and get the hell out of the way. Yeah. All right, I caught him, got the hell out of the way. And shit, he just directed me all afternoon. Yeah. And then once uh, likes quit killing cows, I was riding pastures, uh, doctoring cattle, and buying for Foy Reynolds. And um, somebody come out there to lease bulls. Charlie Driver came out there to lease bulls. And I said we were running some calves through the squeeze chute. And I said, "Who's 
fighting bulls. He says, I ain't got nobody. And Foy said, I don't take that boy. He can fight bulls. He says, what do you charge me? I said, I don't know. 50 bucks? <laughs> to fight he bulls. goes, for both nights? I said, all right. <laughs> so your first gig with him was $50, so $25 a night? Is that what I'm understanding? Correct. Okay. Correct. So, so let me back up a little bit. Um, I always was of the impression, Cliff, that you, you were a barrel man, a rodeo clown, entertainer all the way through. But no, 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 you're a bullfighter first. Oh, I started fighting bulls, yeah, in the beginning, yeah. Okay. See, you know, the only way you got the jobs is if you were a bullfighter and you had acts. Okay, okay. You know, you could do both. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you had acts, you got all the jobs. Okay. As out of all the bullfighters. If a bullfighter had you know, Rex Dunn, he fought bulls, did acts. Mm-hmm. I fought bulls and did acts for I did three acts at Longhorn Rodeo. Right. You you know, okay. I fought bulls doing act doing acts. And I would always tell the stock contractor, look, I'm your axe. Don't try to kill me with the fighting bull. Yeah. And if there is one I can fight and get around, I'll get around him for you. But that's it. We're not turning out no fighting bulls. Right, right. And they go, okay, you know, because I'm your act. Right. I mean, you, you run me over and get me hurt, you got to act tomorrow night. Right. And so they were always okay with that, you know, not feeding me to a fighting bull, you know. Okay. So, so if that was one I could kind of get around nicely, I would and thrill the crowd a little bit. Other mm-hmm. than that, I didn't want to get run over. Sure. And, and what, did you work with other bullfighters as you perfected your skills? I mean, you got to get in and help cowboys that are hung up and, and that sort of thing. Exactly. No, that's fighting bulls. Yeah. Yeah, I fought bulls by myself for years. I fought bulls. I did 94 bulls one night by my damn self. Holy cow. In in Florida back then we used to have, now there was the same 16 bulls we bucked (laughs) four or five times. Yeah. You know, back in the day, but you know, where you get to where, you know, all of them. You know, but, um, and there's only a couple that would hook, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I fought bulls a, a lot. Okay. I got pictures of getting hang ups and a whole nine yards. Okay. Okay. So, so your big move into pro rodeo was Charlie driver. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it pro rodeo, but yeah, to, my big move to get paid was right there. That, yeah. that was the first time you really got paid. Well, the very first time I ever got paid was in, I was like 19 in Tishomingo, Oklahoma. I did three days for a hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, yeah, a hotel room and three days for a hundred bucks. And I had no clue what I was doing. Literally. I mean, I was not a good bullfighter. I had no acts. I had no jokes. I tried to act and it failed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, I, I was, I was just some guy that put on makeup and went out there back then. Sure. Um, and, and you, you had, you had touched very, very briefly cliff on high school and college rodeo. Tell, tell us about that. Did you, was it high school, national high school rodeo you were doing? Bareback, yeah. Saddle yeah. You know, my, my barebacks, we started out, I started out riding bulls and my mom and dad wouldn't let me ride. Okay. Period. Okay. My dad didn't want me to be that broke bull rider. Yep. Yep. And my mom didn't want me getting hurt. For sure. Okay. And she told my dad, if you let him rodeo, I'm leaving. So I had to sneak off and do it. Mm-hmm. So I snuck off road bulls and whatnot. And then, uh, finally, um, uh, David Morgan sees my dad at, where was he? Oh, down there in South Arcadia sale barn. 
Okay. And he goes, Hey, your boy got on Smart Dugan the other day, did pretty good. But, you know, and he's like, What? Uh oh. You know, Smart Dugan was a brawl. He'd been to the finals, and hell, I rode him about five or six seconds. You know, I thought I did real good, but then he throwed me over his head. Yeah. And uh, my dad was like, He did what? Uh oh. So, uh, my dad burnt a rigging bag full of shit. Really? Yeah. He, he didn't want you and on it. He didn't want you poured lighter fluid on, Poured lighter fluid on it. He said, the next thing I'll do is take the distributor out of that car and you ain't going nowhere. Holy cow. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So no more riding bulls. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. I started riding bucking horses and, and uh, really, see a friend of mine, there's three of us around the neighborhood and he got a bucking machine. This is in 78, 79. Okay. And so, man, we were on. And they had been to Duplessis School and uh, Mike Fletcher's school, Scott Fletcher's school and all. And they come back and showed us, hey, we're doing all this wrong here. We got to pack our hand in this rigging where we can hang and drag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's kind of what happened. We learned how to pack our hands in them and ride bucking horses on this machine. So I'd sneak off and ride. And finally, I was 18 years old, my senior year in high school. Yeah. And my mom and I was second in the state in bareback riding without them knowing it. Holy cow. And so she finds out, she goes, look, you're 18. Cause I told her, look, I'm 18. I want to move out. Right. And she's like, no, you can rodeo, but just, I just don't want to hear nothing about it. I don't want you telling me about it. I don't want to, you know, all that crap. That's kind of how that went down. And then I uh, was winning second in the state and was going to the national finals. And she said, well, I think I'll come to a rodeo. She was excited for me. Okay. And I bucked off to tall timbers and it spun to the right and I was hung forever. Oh my. Oh my. Okay. I mean, just oh, swinging wow. around, yeah. hung to a bareback horse. That'd be yeah. fun. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. All I could do is hear my mama screaming over there. So she decided not to come back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, uh, but anyway, I went to the high school finals. I didn't do anything any good, but, yeah. uh, I, I never would have, I had a PRCA car to film a permit and then I never would have won anything. I wasn't that good. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so then college, you still rodeoed through college a bit then. I did. Well, actually, right there, I'd won this rodeo at, was it Teague, Texas or something? Anyway, they had a a FFA rodeo there four times that year, and I won every one of them. Oh, wow. Okay. And and I got hurt on the last one real bad. Uh, Hung up, drug around, banged my head off a fence, had to send me to the hospital. But it was just nicks in the head. But anyway, the, (laughs) the, the ag teacher there was friends with Sonny Sykes at... Sam Houston State University, our coach. Okay. And he reached out to him because I told that guy, I'm looking, I want to go to college. And I had an offer from Sedalia, Missouri. And then my buddy called me the day before I was fixing to leave. He said, hey, don't come. They just fired the coach. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, I was looking around at other colleges. I had a couple of different offers. And then um, this guy called Sonny Sykes and said, hey, you need to recruit this kid. He rides bucking horses, both, both events. And he won four of our events. Okay. So, um, they, they sent me a message and I called and went down there for a little interview and he said, yeah, come and go to school. So I went on full ride at Sam Houston state university. Nice. Okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't spell <laughs> sick them much less valedictorian. Right. But you were on the rodeo team for all four years there, Cliff. Uh, well, two years, two years. <laughs> and I had to, and uh, the second year, I had to go back and do a bunch of special work just to get a 1.8. Okay. <laughs> I understand. I understand. That can be tough. It, it, you know, yeah. I wasn't a very good student because yeah. 
I have a, a ADHD okay. a decoding problem. We've learned all this after watching my kid grow up. Yeah. And um, so no wonder I, I made it through it all. Yeah. I'm an intelligent guy, but yeah. um, to, to, to pull uh, words off a page in verbal linguistic style and, and understand what it means at a fast pace, just the next word, oh, my God, that's that many words again. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Screw this. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I went through all that college in two years. I never bought a book. Mm-hmm. Not once. You okay. know, I just took good notes and crammed at the last minute and tried to get through the test. Right. Right. But um, that's kind of the way it was. Um, <laughs> I, I was horrible student and uh had no idea what i was gonna do so then you moved to florida with and and started buying cattle and started working cattle and did you think that was the career cliff did you think i'm gonna be in the cattle business is my deal you know i had a really good i was 24 years old with an expense account and buying millions of dollars worth of cattle i had i am the key seat on every sale you know there's one Mm -hmm. seat that sits in the middle and he gets a free lunch and he gets a nice chair that's me that was you 24 years old okay and you know i mean i was rocking and rolling and doing exactly what i thought i was supposed to be doing i grew up in my daddy's lap he before school my daddy would take me to the sales and i would hold the card he would hold my hand and we bid and then I would flip him the flip the guy, the numbers and I'd make the mark on the card. Okay. So I was born to be a cow buyer. Yeah. And so yeah. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, um, the good Lord just led me with that. Uh, you know, the whole time I wanted to clown the you whole did. time you did. I, okay. Yeah. I, I would drive my, the livestock department was all the way around the back of this kill plant, huge kill plant. We killed 500 a day. Oh, and um, as I drove around, they had those big plastic barrels that kind of looked like a clown barrel. You know what mm-hmm, I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thirty-gallon yep. barrels. Yeah. Well, I kept going, man. You know, I want to be that clown. I, I need to build a barrel. Be well. You know. Then they moved me to North Florida, and the good Lord put me at Foy Reynolds Place. You bet. I mean, I was sitting next to him at a sale, and he goes, "Hey, I got a place I'll rent you, or a place I'll sell you, right in my backyard." And he yeah. goes, "Okay," and I said, "Okay." Yeah. And so, I mean, the good Lord just put me in the right spot at the right time. Likes quit killing cows. The cow business was totally down. I had a couple of thousand in the bank. And this girl that I had been seeing moved to Texas. Mm -hmm. She goes, you need to come to Texas and do these rodeos. And I was like, all right. And I tied my barrel on the back of my Firebird and put 11 dogs in it. What? Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Eleven dogs? I had two adult Australian shepherds and nine puppies. Wow. Okay. I put them all in that firebird yeah. and went moved to Texas. And and what, what, uh, what year was that? How old were you? Uh, that would have been my dad had just passed, so 84, 85. Okay. And so... I get out there and I sold those puppies to make a little money right there. Then, okay. And I called Terry Walls because they there was a book called uh, a paper called Rodeo News. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, excuse me, Rodeo Times in Texas. It was Rodeo Times. Okay. And you could every rodeo all around Texas and everything was in this Rodeo Times, a little uh like a newspaper looking thing. Yep. And it come out every month or every week almost. And anyway, I picked it up and called Terry Walls. They had Jacksboro, Texas that weekend. And I said, hey, you need a new clown with good, funny, new acts? Yeah. He goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, I'll be, I'll be at Jacksboro. He goes, all right, but I can't pay you nothing. Yeah. I wow. said, will you give me gas money to leave? Yeah. He goes, yes, sir. 
So okay. I go up there and he goes, where's your rig? <laughs> I said, that must, that uh, firebird with barrel tied on the back right there. He goes, holy <laughs> shit, you sleeping in that? I said, yes, sir. He goes, go on, go up there and get in a room with them bullfighters up there. They got an extra bed. Okay. Okay. So that was good. Mm -hmm. But we did that rodeo and I don't know if you've ever been around a rodeo when it's over. Sure. And you stand there waiting to get paid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you yeah. really don't know whether you're going to get paid and you didn't, <laughs> really didn't add up for the people in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And you're watching your stock contractor as he goes over and pays that guy. Right. And then he goes over and pays that guy. You ever seen, you ever yeah. been in this position? I, once or twice. Absolutely. Yes. And then and he goes over there and pays that guy. Yeah. And you're watching him bounce around the parking lot paying people. Yeah. And then he walked by me and goes, all right, buddy, appreciate you coming. And I said, yeah. whoa, wait a minute. You told me we'd have some gas money when I left here. I ain't got no gas to leave. Yeah. And at that time, it took $12 to fill up that right, car. Right, right, right. And he goes, hi. <laughs> and he walks back up to the committee. Yeah. And asks them, I've just expected 20 or $40 out of his pocket, you yeah, know? Yeah, And he walks back up to that committee and gets a $75 check. Okay. Three-day rodeo. Yeah. And comes back to me and he hands me that $75 check. And I said, what am I supposed to do with this check? Yeah. He goes, I don't know, but be at uh, Sherman Denison next week. And I okay. said, for $50 a night. He goes, all right. <laughs> and Sherman Denison was three days. And yeah. so um, I was on in, boy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he goes, as long as you bring that shooter out. Okay. okay, so I was going to ask what uh, you had said. Uh, uh, you called Terry Walls and uh, new clown with new axe. Yeah. What was you packing for axe at that point? What that was, was your quick draw? That was quick draw McGraw, right? Okay. There. And and how long had you had quick draw McGraw? Just broke it out. Just started it that year. Really? It okay. was a, it was an act from church. Um, it was a young life skit out of church that my brother and I used to do. Really? Okay. <laughs> and it was about a kid going to town. Yeah. His mama gave him three coins to go to town and get something. I can't remember what it was. Kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk. He goes to town and on when he gets to town, here's an arcade. Yeah. And he goes inside and the good and evil are on his shoulder. No, you can't do that. Your mama's expecting yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then he goes to the next one and it says, try your luck, win $10. There you go. Oh, you know, so now <laughs> and then on his shoulders going, yeah, 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 do it. No, 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 no. And so, and he does it, but he loses his money. Yeah. And and he doesn't have any to take back to mom. So oh, that's okay. kind of the, the premise of the thing is, yeah. um, yeah. It can, and so, and it was also the first place somebody stole it and went somewhere else with it. <laughs> Your act. There was a clown there with me. Uh, oh, no. He, he's a good guy, but yeah, yeah. Uh, his name's Brian. Uh, I forget his last name. Anyway, yeah, yeah. he was there. And believe it or not, somebody calls me from Florida. Yeah. Because I had done this act in Florida five or six times. Oh, you have? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At Gurney Giggers Rodeo. Somebody yeah. calls me. Yeah. Go, Somebody doing your damn quick draw act down there. I went, what? <laughs> and it was that guy. He went to Florida thinking he's going to go a long ways away. Yeah. And anyway, he did, he did it down there. But he was the first one. Brian Martin, I think, was his name. Okay. But he's a good bullfighter and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that was the first time I got hacked. Okay. And you, you had that act all the way through. You still do that act today? I do it every now and then when somebody wants it. Um, you know, uh, I was at uh, Henrietta, Oklahoma this summer, and by golly, Tammy, she wanted it really bad. And I was like, you know, I, I'd love to get it out and do it for you, but 
it, it just, you know, it, when you don't have the oomph to do something, yeah. it doesn't yeah. pull off right. Right, right. And the stuff that I'm doing now is so much more easier and funny. And you know, it's just, you know, and the, the most important thing was they got a, a lot of old timers there. Yeah. And, and this one guy had been watching me for 25 years and now I'm going to go out there and do the same act he saw 25 years ago. Right. Right. That right. sucks. Right. So how many and, acts are you working now and what has changed? You said they're easier to do now, but you're still doing acts or you just doing segments. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we do, we do acts, but you know, the, the days of the, the car and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, um, four boxes full of props. I used to, I mean, I had a trailer loaded down with props, right. you know, and, uh, I'd come up with an act and I'd build a prop. But, um, eventually when the PBR came, I had to learn how to put these props on a plane. And so the number one thing that I was doing at that time was Houdini's metamorphosis mm -hmm. and, um, very good act. And, uh, Jerome Robinson wanted it everywhere we went, except for the PBRs. They didn't, they, they didn't want them at the PBRs. They didn't want to act. They didn't want to act and at the so, PBR. They did not want acts at the PBR when I first went to Tough Hedeman's deal. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was like, what? You know what? I, I got all this stuff. No, no, no. We, we don't want acts. So um, that's kind of how that went down. But uh, nowadays, you know, we travel with stuff that fits in a suitcase and goes on a plane. Um, you know, uh, yeah. three hoodies is a lot easier than a bucking car. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And if you ask me that the turkey race is a lot more funnier than, well, the engines ginning and the carburetors carbon and the pistons, well, they're pissing, they're working too. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. The same, same jokes as, as 80 years ago on the same cars. Right. So, so talk a little bit about, and this goes back to my rodeo clown versus, uh, or as it's transitioning to a rodeo entertainer, when you went to the PBR and you, you worked the PBR finals, what year did you work the PBR finals, Cliff? 97 and 99. 1997-99. And at that point, you're, you're walking and talking, you're, you're, yes. okay. And, and yes. what was that transition <laughs> like? And that really is kind of you know, to, to the point of a rodeo clown transition to a rodeo entertainer, what's that been like for you? Well, I'll tell you the transition spot, mm -hmm. which nobody knows. There's okay. two major points that happened in 99 while I was there. Okay. And I used to like Tommy Joe Lucia is the best producer in the world. And, um, I would sit and watch his crew set up. You know what I mean? Yeah, we had pretty yeah. big, pretty big production there in, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And I would sit there in the crowd and just watch them set up. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there watching them, you know, uh, beforehand, you know, two or three hours before the show building wasn't open yet. And Randy Bernard is over there sitting. I'm going to say 50 feet, maybe 60 feet from me. Mm -hmm. And he's got the, and he's talking with the Tamra guys. Mm hmm. And all I heard was, I'll put them in black if I have to, damn it. Mm -hmm. Put them in the black. Goes, yes, sir. Okay. That's all I heard. I'll okay. put them in black if I have to. And then the cameraman said, yes, sir. And they, and they, they walked off. Okay. 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 That's all I heard. Okay. And then he looks at me and he says, Hollywood, you got a second? I go, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I go over there and I sit down next to Randy and he goes, hey, listen, we hired a PR firm from New York city. Mm -hmm. We sent them to, they had no idea what rodeo or bull riding is, which we wanted. Mm -hmm. We sent them to a rodeo and now they come here 
And their job is to take our product as far away from rodeo as it possibly can. Really? That's that's what they did. They hired wow. a PR firm okay. to take what they have, and they showed them rodeo, and now they show them bull rides. And they came to me this morning and said, the only thing that's tying you to rodeo is that guy in the barrel. I see. I see. At that time, if you opened up the PBR website, yeah. my face, my body, and my barrel was plastered on the front page I see. with my hands wide open. And it had PBR, the old triangular one, on the barrel. Now, that came about because I had that guy in my pocket for my website. <laughs> right, right, right. And he put me on the front page of the PBR website. Yeah. PBR now has got Hollywood Harris right on the front of it. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the next morning. That shit was down. Okay, okay. okay. This is wow. not about the clowns or bullfighters. Right. This is all about bull riders. Yes. So – Oh. There we go. He goes, so they say the only thing that's tying us to rodeo is that guy in a barrel. He goes, looks at me and goes, what can we do about that? Yeah. And I went, shit, I don't know. Yeah. I've been 25 years developing this character. Yeah. And I got one that you want, and you want me here all the time, and now you want me to change it. Right. I said, and at that point, I couldn't take my makeup off. Today, I probably could. <laughs> but I couldn't do anything without makeup back then. Oh, now wait and a so, minute. Let me let me let me tune in on this a little bit. So, th had they requested or suggested you take off your makeup? No, no, absolutely not. Okay, all right. Then. I just needed a different character. Okay, so let me step back. You just made a conversation, or you just made a statement that you couldn't be out there without your makeup. Did I interpret that right? Correct. Uh, I've hid behind Hollywood Harris for years and years and years. Okay. Okay. And I, you know, I, I slowly, it took a long, took, took probably 20, 25, 25 years for me to remove the nose. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, um, uh, you know, I, I always wanted that nose so nobody knows who I was. Okay. And so that was, that was the issue. But anyway, I, I, I can't do it without my makeup. I, I just really, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. I was burning out like a summer gun. Going too hard. What were you doing? I was burning. Yeah. I've been, I've been everywhere. We, I, I just hit this, the pinnacle of my career mm -hmm. and, and my son's playing baseball mm -hmm. and I can't be there. Yeah. I'm the coach. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. And I was kind of about, you know, and back in the day, Bill McEnany told me, Actually, uh, Lethal Harris, uh, signed, he, was, he signed my card. Okay. And while he signed my card, he was putting on his makeup one day, and I said, um, Lethal, give me your best long-term advice. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I'm fixing to be doing this my whole life. Yeah. And he thought about it for a long time. Yeah. And he said, stay away from the things that burn you out. Okay. He said, if staying at motels burn you out, then, you know, stay away from things that burn you out. Okay. So I said, okay. So, you know, and then I, I talked to Bill McEnany, and Bill McEnany had mm -hmm. so much burnout one time. He quit his job, permed his hair, and got a manager's job at Shoney's. Oh, wow. Okay. He'd been performing since he's 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. And so now he, he said, I, I went to, under in the depression. So, you know, I'm learning from all these old guys, you know, I'm burning out. I yeah. need to go home with my kid. Okay. So I told Tommy Joe right then, I said, hey, man, I'm burning out. He goes, I can see it all over you. Yeah. He goes, you need a break. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was out on the road and mom was at home and I wasn't being right mm -hmm. and living my life wrong. And I, But all I know is I wanted to be back at home with my little booger head and play baseball. Right. Right. And so I said, you guys don't call me for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Really? And, um, so you, yeah. you said done, I'm stepping away. Thank you very no much. 
but don't call I actually, me. Actually, I went home mm-hmm. and I put all my buckles out on the bed and all my little trinkets. You know, yeah, you got yeah, little yeah. trinkets from yeah. these rodeos that yeah. mean something to yeah. you. I put all that crap out on the bed and I looked at it and I said, well, can I quit? Mm-hmm. I've been there, done that, man. I've yeah. been to Calgary Stampede. I've yeah. been to the PBR Finals twice. Can I? Yeah, I can quit. Yeah. yeah. Now let's go get me a real job. Okay. So I went to talking to people around there. Yeah. And I said, you know, a, a thoroughbred manager, a farm manager probably a good job. And a buddy mm-hmm. of mine's the head of the Thoroughbred Managers Association. Mm-hmm. I went to him at church, and I said, hey, I need a problem needing. He goes, well, what kind of money do you need? And I said, oh, about $1,500, $2,000 a week. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> He's like, if you get a house, you might get 400 a week. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. uh, where the hell are you going to make $1,500, $2,000 a week at home <laughs> Yeah. without working your ass off? Yeah. And so I was like, no, no. So I started, actually started in, in motion of building a school, North Florida Equestrian High School. Okay. And I spent a year uh, day working and a few little tiny rodeos and a year and a half basically putting a school together. Um, I was a board member at my son's charter school and me and another lady and we put a, a group of wonderful uh, volunteers together to start uh, North Florida Equestrian High School. Yes. And uh, when our county was, we found out their charter school unfriendly and they denied our charter, uh, oh. we walked outside. And um, my partner there, uh, president of my committee, she goes, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I plan on getting me a check from this thing. But <laughs> right. She goes, well, Colleen closed ice cream shop and make an open. You want to open that? I went, I don't know. I guess so. Call me tomorrow. Ice and cream so shop. She, ice cream she, shop. She, okay. She called me. She called me tomorrow. And we went up there and looked at this building. And she goes, you study the ice cream. I'll study the coffee. Let's do coffee and ice cream and some sandwiches. Okay. And I said, all right, let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so we started a restaurant and everything. Come find out. It was wonderful people. Uh, great partnership. But our operating styles were a little different. Uh-huh. There wasn't enough money in a sandwich ice cream shop for two families. Right. Right. So we, I bought them out. And okay. uh, off it went, and okay. uh, we had coffee and cream for quite some time, and uh, and so meanwhile, I'm washing dishes every day, yeah, as fast as I can do them, and going, <laughs> damn, I wish I was rodeoing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's exactly what I did. All okay. of the rodeos that I couldn't work because I was gone to all the big ones. Yeah, I was gone to PBRs, I was gone to PRCA rodeos for three, four years, and I couldn't work any back home. Yeah. Well, now I can work all these around home again, and uh, okay. anything six hours or less, I was there. You were. And okay. So, and that's when me and Boogerhead started traveling a lot together. Okay. So, of course, so he's been everywhere, but uh, I used him. Now he was, you know, eight, nine. Okay. Okay. So we used him everywhere, and he started flying with me everywhere. And then slowly we started getting more and more rodeos, branching yep. out a little further, a little further. And then he's flying everywhere with me by then. Okay. So let me. So, how long were you off? How long was your break no rodeos buckles and trinkets on the bed i can i quit you went off and did a bunch of other stuff how long before four months four months <laughs> and you were back four, four four to six months probably okay. something like that okay yeah. so so lisa no harris money, no money mo, mo, no money motivation n- Right. Yeah, it will. It will. Uh, Lisa Harris gave you some long-term advice. He said, stay away from yeah. the things that burn you out. Did you figure yeah. out what was burning you out? 
Yeah. Um, uh, at one point, uh, driving to the rodeos was burning me out, and I had all the world's toughest, and they were bing, bang, boom, boom, boom. And if you stay gone, or if Cliff Harris stays gone, he ain't going to have a wife very long. Okay. So that's kind of how that was. I and see. so I, see. I needed to come home every week. Okay. And so the first thing I did was, and I had too many acts to be flying. At that time, you know, I was hauling the Magic Act and other things, and I hadn't got it to where it was mobile and flying yet. But um, so I hired a driver. Oh, you did? And so I hired a driver, and believe oh. it or not, we'd leave my house on Wednesday evening. I'd step in there, eat me some supper, and go to bed mm -hmm. and wake up at the TV station where we was in okay. Toledo the okay. next morning. Okay. And uh, it was pretty cool to walk out from signing autographs, and George has got the door there open. And I step in, he locks it down, and off we go. And I get my makeup off while we're rolling. Okay. You know, like a super, like a big, like a big dog. Like a big dog. Now you're in a motorhome. I was in a, a a trailer back then. I had the one that had all the pictures down the side of me okay. and Boogerhead. Okay. Okay. But you could ride back there while he was driving, and you 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 rested oh, yeah. and did everything. Okay. So Eat that my Cheerios, take a shower, <laughs> the whole nine yards. So that relit you, if you will. <laughs> well, it, it, it kept me from burning out. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was yeah. okay for that year. And then after that, um, we, we made the acts to where we could fly with all of them. Yeah. And Boogerhead said, dad, I want to quit baseball. He was really good. Yeah. 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 They recruited him to this other park and they were really good. And he said, I want to quit baseball. And I said, yeah. why? Yeah. He goes, cause I want to go with you. I'm like, okay. All right. So it wasn't making a lot of money because I yeah. had to buy two plane tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everywhere we went, Brenson was with us, you know, you and, and the people loved it. Uh, yep. When 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 we got to the rodeo, you know, they would say things like, uh, in the production meeting, they they go, Boogerhead, what you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they like him way yeah. better than me. <laughs> All right. So so so, uh, where'd Boogerhead get his? Uh, where'd he get his name? What's the nickname? When he was real, real little, mm -hmm. the only way I could, you know, you, you teach him tricks right off the bat. The only thing I could do to make him laugh and smile is stick my finger in his nose and then go to his mouth. Oh, and I go, eat your booger. I say, pick your nose and eat your boogers, my little booger head. There you go. And he'd grin in from ear to ear, you know. <laughs> and so every single morning when I'd go in to wake him up in bed in there, I'd yeah. start with, he's my little booger head. My booger head is he. I love my little booger head. My booger head loves me. <laughs> and I'd sit there and sing it to him, and he'd try to pretend being asleep. Okay. Okay. He'd sit there and I go, Oh my gosh, look how good acting he is. Yeah. And then ah, he just bust out, you know. He couldn't hold it. So the kid woke up grinning and smiling and laughing every day. That's our plan. Okay. Excellent. First time I saw Boogerhead, um, you talked about World's Toughest. We were in Cleveland, had to be nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety-nine, in the Gund Arena, which is brand new at the time. Beautiful facility, yeah. beautiful build. Cavaliers played there. Or play yeah. there probably still, um, and that's where you don't see daylight for three days. Absolutely, and you you came in and you were carrying a bag, <laughs> right? This was your act, and if yeah. I remember right, the house goes dark and you're under a spotlight. Back to the pantomime, back to back to all the physical movement, that sort of thing, um, and you had this you had this bag. Can you tell us about that? Can you tell our listeners about that act? Set it up all the way <laughs> to the beginning. It was the latest Christmas gift, trick roper in a bag. 
Okay. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, we dressed my we dressed my little booger head up and put him in a bag. It was a laundry bag with a little jerk string at the end of it, and I throw him over my shoulder, and out we'd go. And I'd set him down, and I'd start trick roping. And of course, I can't trick rope really good, but yeah, that 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 that. They're playing a little music, you know. So okay, I gotta go, and I start to leave, and they say, "Hey, what's in the bag?" I said, "Don't worry about it. It's my dirty underwear." <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. What's in the bag? There's some stuff missing up here. We want to know what's in the bag. And so they changed my music to Barney music. And and I'd open the bag and he'd stand up and pop up out of there and he had a little costume on and his little nose and um uh his little goofy hat. And he did that from the time he was two years old. Yeah. And um all he had to do was wave at everybody, yeah. spin the little kid's trick rope, yeah. wave again, and then <laughs> back down in the bag he went, and I threw him over the shoulder, and out we went. Yeah. And then mom was selling the uh, the ropes in the crowd. Yeah. So that was always a good thing. Okay, okay. Well, just so you know, 1998, 1999, hadn't met you yet. I'm sitting in the crowd, okay? We're watching uh, yeah. the rodeo. I remember that clear as day, dude. Wow. Just, isn't that something? Isn't that something? So what a great the gun, impression. The Gundarino, the would that have been, oh, that would have been Ganders probably, I guess. I think so. World's toughest. I'm pretty sure it was like on a yeah. Sunday afternoon we were there. And clear yeah. as day, I can remember that. And that's quite a while ago already. Yeah, or or see, we did Longhorn Rodeo, but um, I didn't do that act at Longhorn Rodeo. Okay, in the gun? No, this was Correct. in the gun, and it was that act. You had him in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been world's toughest, more <laughs> okay. likely. Yeah, okay. And that would have been ninety-eight or ninety-nine, something like that. Yeah, probably okay. so. Yeah, Brinson was five or five or six. I kept him in the bag until I dropped him, until he got too heavy. He was like, <laughs> you know, he's little his whole yeah, life. Yeah. He was like eight years old. I was still packing him in the damn bag. And I crawled over a fence and I accidentally dropped him. Oh. Oh, crap, man. Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, got my kid in the bag. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm okay, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that too long when you're taking talked back to you that way yeah yeah for sure now when i first met you we were at the international finals rodeo and i know you had worked that in 1990 and again in 1994 um so that was fairly early in your career cliff yeah the 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 what i had to do was see a clown named john gilstrap Mm -hmm. was the king of them in the in the ipra back then he had a bull he did really well he had all the longhorn rodeos he was the, the, he was the guy I was looking at that I wanted his job, you know, okay. basically. Okay. And, um, or I wanted to be at that level. And, um, so, uh, IPRA was kind of where it was. Um, PRCA was the people that were stealing my acts. Okay. And, um, and I really didn't have, and, and in Florida, we had a lot of IPRA, um, mm-hmm. uh, rodeos and whatnot. So we kind of come up and if you had a high school card, you rode IPRA for free. You didn't have to buy a card. Okay. So that's kind of in the high in rodeo when the winter was all IPRA rodeos. So that's kind of where we started. And they had, I, I, so I went to Green Cove Springs and John Gilstrap was over there. This mm-hmm. is when I first started mm-hmm. and I wanted to watch him and then ask him, what do I need to do? I showed him my quick draw act. I said, mm-hmm. what do I need to do? He goes, you need to go to the contract act showcase in Oklahoma city. Yep. yep. And so back then they did, it wasn't a contest. You just did your stuff. And so, and everybody looked. 
Yeah. And yeah. You, there was no money. There was no entry fee. There was no prize. Yep. You just did acts and people would hire you. Mm-hmm. And I did quick draw right there and bam, they actually, the, the, uh, head of, what do you call it? The, the head guy at the, of the contract acts department. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, he, he gave me my card. I didn't even have to buy a card. Oh, wow. Okay. He's like, holy shit, that, that was good. Do you have that an IPRA card? No. Okay, we're going to give you one. <laughs> yeah. And they gave me my IPRA card, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. And I booked several rodeos. And uh, I think it was actually, you know, there was one clown I tried to ask for advice. Brother Taylor, you don't ask that song gun for advice at okay. all. Okay. I said, how much should I charge? Oh, you can't. And kept walking, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He wouldn't help nobody for nothing. Yeah. And anyway, um, so I priced one rodeo too high. Yeah. And they didn't call back. Okay. And so the next guy that called, by golly, I was going to get it. Yeah. And he says, what do you charge? And I said, what, what are we doing? He goes, I want you to fight bulls and do acts at all my rodeos. All of them? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, $200 a night. He goes, hired. It was okay. Preston Folks. He oh, had a okay. bunch of rodeos. You bet. You bet. And of course, I did two hundred dollars a night. I fought bulls and did two acts. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, that was kind of that back then, you know. Yeah, and got your got your miles and everything there. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the very first year, uh, my quick draw draw was uh, at, went to the finals, and so then after that, <clears throat> okay. I started booking all the bigger the bigger rodeos. Okay. Yeah. And you competed in that IFR contract showcase a number of years there in Oklahoma City, right? Actually, we we developed the curriculum for it. Okay. Um, in fact, is a funny story with that is uh, um, Keith Isley and myself were on the committee. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Keith didn't Keith didn't care for me. He he didn't care for me at all. Oh wow. Okay. Because I was taking the jobs and mm-hmm. and you know I getting all the work. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting there and he's kind of quiet. And before the girls showed up, he goes, Hollywood, me and you need to talk. I said, Cool. What do we want to talk about? And he goes, you got to up your price. I was like, great. <laughs> I would love to up my price. Yeah. What does my price need to be? He goes, yeah. minimum 500. Okay. I said, okay. okay. And I was getting like 300 then, you know, he's a minimum 500 mm-hmm. minimum. Mm-hmm. You can get as much as 750. I was like, what? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So the next person that called was Jerome Robinson yeah. and, uh, and I charged him 500 bucks and mm-hmm. off we went. And I was like, holy crap, this is great. Yeah. Come on, $1,500 a weekend, stuff like that. You bet. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, and and so, and of course, me and Keith are fine now today. You know, always been fine. He's a great performer. We both respect each other, what we do. And so I was thankful at that time. I had no idea, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, and. Um, I want to go back to the contract act showcase, a little bit of trivia. That's where I first met you. Oh, cool. Person to person. You, I don't know if you remember this, you had a, you had kind of a, um, a talk, right? Kind of a forum where you were talking rodeo clowns, rodeo announcers, that sort of thing, giving some advice, a little bit to look Was for. Was that the more, uh, uh, more money for your, more money for your funny? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like 2000, 2001, maybe. Probably. Okay. Yeah. You were there and you were the, you were the, you were the speaker and we were listening. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And at the, that year's contract act showcase, and my wife just mentioned this, my wife, Laura, she worked music for that contract act showcase and you came up and helped her. And she remembered that from the, from the get go. Oh, very cool. You bet. Very cool. You were just very kind and and very helpful. Hey, uh, while, while we're, 
I forgot to mention one thing about when Randy Bernard and I were, were when he asked me, to, yeah. what can we do about that? Yeah. I, after, after I went back in my dressing room yeah. and my dressing room, this is another very important uh, uh, change that the PBR did. Yeah. Is I went to the cameraman and the cameraman had just, you know, I put him in black. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. And, and I said, Hey, what'd y'all get y'all ass eat out for? He goes for staying on the bullfighters too much. Okay. So back then we had people like Jimmy Anderson with the horns and stuff. Yeah. And uh, costumes. Yeah. And when they would hook up with a bull, the cameraman would follow that action. Okay. And he's, and so no, Yeah. you take your camera and you put it on that kid walking back to those bucking shoots. I see. Don't, we don't care about this action. And the guy says, but they're so colorful. He goes, I'll put them in black if I, I have I to. see. I see. Okay. And so the very next year, Carhartt was a sponsor yep. with black shirts and black shorts. Okay. That's when they went away. And okay. so that's where okay. that came from. Okay. And the other thing is, is that Flint comes in the next year. Yeah. And see, back then I had them at 1500 a night and nobody was getting 1500 a night. Right. Flint came in a little cheaper, but mm -hmm. they paid all of his expenses. Okay. His deal was X amount net Okay. when I'm heading home. And I thought about it, and I went, well, if I partied much, I wouldn't get home much of that. Anyway. Right. So he's probably about right. You know, at least yeah. he didn't have to shuck the money for a car, a room, and a flight. Okay. And so he's doing pretty smart there. Yeah, well, yeah. it was a year or two later. See, and we wouldn't wear their jerseys. I oh. wouldn't, we wouldn't, bullfighters wouldn't wear them because they're holding out on, they want to wear our money. They want to wear, us to wear the shirts, but not give us the money that they'd already got. I see. I see. So okay. we were holding out. Well, Flint comes in and I don't know what went down, but anyway, he puts on a sponsor shirt within the next year or two. Okay. And then if I'm not mistaken, it's either the second year or third year he was there. The pants came off and shorts matched a jersey. I see. Changing everything yep yep so now everybody wants to be that guy on tv yeah I with see. shirt and jersey <clears throat> mm -hmm. flint had a, a good vocabulary mm -hmm. he was a smart guy a mm -hmm. teacher mm -hmm. and he's not going to get on the microphone and get everybody in trouble right right so that's why it worked if you're not very good on that microphone you kind of need to be physical comedy okay I see. You with me? You so bet. he was pretty handy. He was pretty handy on the microphone. Okay. But that's when the entertainer part came. We don't okay. want any clowns. How can we be different? There's a clown out there. He's not a clown. He's an entertainer. I see. I see. That's when it changed. Don't call me a clown because I'm a PBR entertainer. I see. Okay. That's that's kind of how that went down. Okay. I... They want to stay as far away from the words rodeo clown as they can okay because they're distant you said earlier they're distancing themselves or wanted to distance themselves from rodeo they wanted to be bull correct riding. got it you got it. started with this ain't your granddaddy's rodeo yeah. boom 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 okay it's the pbr yeah i'll be darned okay so that's okay. how that went down okay okay so <clears throat> you come back you you start your uh, coffee and cream Right. And uh, when I yeah, met you, uh, when I met you, you, you had this going when we were, when we started working together, which would be probably Benton, Pennsylvania, that sort of thing. Do you yep, remember? Yep, okay. Uh -huh, yep, and, sure and Boogerhead was coming around. He was working with yep. you and everything. Um, 
And you did a lot of stuff up to the northeast, Cliff. You you came Lots. up Benton, Ford City, Ellicottville, Attica, Brookville, Huntington. Uh, you did um, up into Maine. Yep. Right? You had good runs. Yep. So worked with Rawhide, yep. worked with Sam Swearingen. Yep. <clears throat> you know, doing this as long as I've done it. Yeah. You can show up to a rodeo. And I'm not going to name names or name companies. But when you get there, hey, how you doing, Hollywood? All right. And then, you know, the pickup man don't talk to you. Mm-hmm. None mm-hmm. of the help talks to you. Okay. Now that, you know, you're just there to get a damn check, tell a joke, and get a check. Yeah, yeah. And get the heck out of town, get back home as fast as I can. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not the way I operate. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather have a little more fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was why we stayed so long with – with play and there, you know, in the past few years, we've been working in North Dakota okay. with um, uh, with uh, uh, Abrahamsons and uh, Kelly Abrahamson and I fought bulls, but together back for for Mossbrucker back in the day, and uh, and so we we've just hooked back up and just, you know, when you got a guy that hands you the checkbook and says, "Here, write your check," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he's got his little scribble of his name on it, but you know, he scribbles so bad that. He makes me write my own check. I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's like working with family. So I kind of choose where I work for, where I work now. And it's all about who I'm working for. If if I'm not really happy there, I ain't going to go there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and back to that burnout, right? How do you stay fresh? How do you stay energized? COVID. Yeah, right. That woke us up. When COVID happened, when COVID happened, it took it all away. Yeah, yeah. And it made me realize why I actually do this and why I'm so happy in this world mm-hmm. is those crowds of people that I get to walk out and entertain mm-hmm. and, and work on my material. And I've got a girl that travels with me now, Kalani, that uh, we work on my material together Okay, and she's pretty funny as well. So we try to write some stuff and pull up stuff and, and, um, uh, and, and, and just, you know, pushing my, my talent and my creativity mm-hmm. and, the fact, you know, when we got back to being able to stand in front of them and look at them mm-hmm. and tell a joke again, it was very big for me because, you know, we went a year without any rodeos. Who the hell would have thought we did that? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I was going to ask, and I'm glad you brought this up. How do you come up with new material? Do you practice going down? So I'm I'm envisioning, based on what you just said, you're driving down the road. You still driving to to the rodeos, oh, yeah. meaning cars. Most, you showed up now, one time have... in a pretty hot Mustang, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. We fly. We used to fly everywhere and rent Mustangs every yeah. weekend. Me and Butterhead, yeah. we love the Mustangs. Yeah. But no, we. You know, once I got this girl that likes that likes to go, we got us a motor home and oh. um and we we play poker in between shows and uh in between rodeos and uh, just and drive and we have a blast. Just okay. a blast. Okay. So you're working material, you're writing stuff down, you're trying it out, you're you're building it out and is that that's got to be energizing too, I should imagine. You know, Doug, I'm a hack. A hack. I've always, I'm a hack. Okay. I've always been a hack when it comes to jokes. I can't write my own joke. I've written four jokes at myself. Okay. But when it comes to jokes, jokes, yeah, I got to rip them off from other places. Okay. And bless their hearts, all these comments on TV and stuff, I'm feeling right left. Okay. And so um, uh, now we've tried to, I've, I've started doing some stand up. 
And those jokes will be mine and there'll be stories of mine. But and so we've started doing a few of those and I'll tell some of those at the show. Yeah. But these quick, easy one lighters that are funny, that gets everybody's attention, that gets them listening to me. Yeah. Those things is I'll knock them off the, the TV and stuff and okay. just change them a little. You OK. Know? Um, as far as acts go. Yeah. They've all been mine. I've I've ripped up a couple of off off the internet that we mm-hmm. see people doing. Mm-hmm. Um, tape face, if you remember him from America's Got Talent, okay. we we stole an act from him. Okay. And uh, but uh, me and Boogerhead do it still. But um, uh, you know, we try to the the turkey races. That's the funniest thing that we got going right now is from Brinson, and um, he he come, I took him to private school, and um, every time I pick him up, I say, "What'd you do today? Oh, we played." Yeah. You know, here it is, private school, man. We're yeah. paying for it. Yeah. And so finally he goes, Dad, look and see what we did today. And yeah. he put these hoodies on upside down and he ran around the yard and went, Holy crap, that's funny. Yeah. And so we did that at the rodeo one time <laughs> and he just ran around like a chicken and ran out the gate. Oh, hey, don't let him out the building. You know, and we're done. Yeah. yeah. It just looked funny. Well, he once he got the PBRs, he called me and goes, Dad, I got to act, which he's been saying his entire life. Right. He's four years old. Dad, I got to act. <laughs> okay. He calls me and goes, Dad, I got to act. I was like, what is it this time? <laughs> he says, it's, a, it's the um, turkey shooting, but we put them in put three people out of the crowd, and we make them have a little obstacle race. I'm okay. like, holy crap, that's okay. a great idea. Okay. So he's come up with several really good ones. Okay. Um, while he's out on the road like this, you oh, know, and he'll call me every time. What about this? And we'll tweak it a little bit and he'll go and try it. Yeah. And, and we got to see Burgerhead this, this summer. Um, we saw him in Nashville to PBR teams event. Uh, nice. we were up at the stands, right. That he happens. I mean, he's crawling and balancing on railings and crazy stuff. Right. I mean, he's oh, yeah. coming up through the crowd and he spots yeah. me and in the middle of it takes my, takes my camera and we shoot a selfie of course. And, yeah. And, yeah. and then I saw him at St. Teat and we're going to talk about St. Teat here in two seconds, Cliff. Cool. Um, I saw him in St. Teat and we had, uh, again, he came up, we were sitting on the stage, you know, by the announcers and he came up and said, now beside me and we just had a it was just so cool to see him such great energy yeah. and and what he's doing up there you know no mic i mean it's it was just magical what he was doing and i happened to yeah. be watching a video of you today at saint teat right the dancing <laughs> when the tractor's dragging talk a little bit about yeah. saint teat if you would for us well you know saint teat people ask me what's your favorite rodeo yeah. what's your you know things like that and of course I always tell them that the Calgary Stampede is probably the biggest thing you'll ever see. And the rodeo is the pre-show. I mean, the Calgary Stampede is unbelievable. Yeah. But the St. Teat's uh, Festival Western, oh, my gosh, there's no more exciting rodeo than you'll ever see. That's mm-hmm. what I tell everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always uh, say about uh, you've seen Buddy pick up at the horse shows, right? Well, he, there's 25,000 added there. So, you know, it's a different rodeo and it's exciting and, um, you know, nowhere else do people jump up on their feet and start dancing, singing and drinking their beers while the tractor's dragging the arena. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, unbelievable. So I'll never forget, you know, I worked at half of it for Ryan Rodriguez back in the day Mm -hmm. and, um, it was a great, great experience. And then I came back and then I did one year and then Boogerhead did one year. Okay. And then we were going to come together on the 50th. Mm-hmm. And we did just that. Okay. And after the first performance, 
I went into the production room and BJ and Sylvain were sitting there and I looked, it was just us. I looked yeah. at them and I said, guys, yeah, I'm not trying to get out of work, Yeah, but I'm in that kid's way. Okay. Okay. And they're like, what? Yeah. And they kind of looked at each other and smiled and like, I knew they were thinking that <laughs> <laughs> back in the, you know, if you've been to St. Pete, there's only one gate to walk in. You got to climb over a fence somewhere. Right. Right. Everywhere. You can't go anywhere without climbing over a fence or two. Mm -hmm. Well, back in the day, everywhere I'd go was this little kid behind me climbing over fences, boom, 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 right behind me, right up my butt, always. Yeah. And I felt like that with my kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to climb over fences. I the see. first thing that happened is my shoulder went out of joint out back. Oh, wow. And then here I am trying to climb over fences with my shoulder out. So I get it back into place and then yeah. we finally get back out there. Yeah. But that crowd is so responsive to oh, him. Man. Oh, man. If we went out, they introduced us together, and it's a father and son, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But And that's all fine and dandy. Now, you go work. Yeah. Because yeah. It, there was no, you know, when I walked out, it was not the same energy. I was in his way. Okay. And so I told him, he's like, Dad, you're getting half the money. You're not going to get out of the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. yeah. And so I said, I'm not trying to get out of work, kid. I just want, you know, we want to have the show right. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, we did the the metamorphosis there that year. It worked really well. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and we did it together. And we did some acts together. So that all worked out fine. But when it's go out there and pump the crowd, I stayed the hell out of the way. Okay. And let the kid go do it. Okay. You know? Okay. He knows that crowd really well. They respond to him unbelievably. You bet. It was a great. He did a great job this year. Very entertaining. Uh, the first night I was there, I think it was a Wednesday night rodeo, and he comes out and he just goes to the center of the arena. He's not mic'd up or anything, and he clapped his hands three times, and they yeah. immediately followed, and he stamped his feet. Yeah. Right. And he let him right off into the hockey playing song, whatever that song is. And it just was yeah. like that. And it was a three minute bit. And man, he just picked him up and he, wherever, wherever, wherever he wanted to go, they went at that point. Yeah. 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 It was just great. Yeah. Fun. And, and the more he does it there, the yeah. more that responsive they'll be because that crowd ties themselves to a person. You, you know what I mean? You bet. And so I, I think it'll be a good one for him if he's, if he's able to stay. You bet. You bet. No, he, uh, it was just great fun to see him and, uh, and, and catch up with him there just very, very briefly. You know, I was in the dressing room and everything under the, under the grandstand before he went out. Yeah. It was just fun. It was just fun. Yeah. Uh, it's, let, it's an awesome experience. Yeah. So let's shift gears just a little bit. Let's go back to bullfighting. Um, of course we got to talk injuries and, this, I think, was after you and I had finished working together. I retired in 2019, right after the Benton Rodeo, and you uh -huh. got in a wreck up around Boston in the rodeo <laughs> yeah. arena. Talk just a little bit about that, if you would, Cliff. Well, it changed my life, Doug. I mean, you know, everything kind of hit the fan then. Um, we were at Boston at Topsfield Fair, mm -hmm. and it was... Uh, Rawhide Rodeo, and bull riding was going on, and one of Waltz's bulls, and he bucked his kid off pretty quick, rank bull, and he stepped in his nuts. And so I run in there and grabbed the kid up and was headed to the fence with him while the guys pulled the bull away. Mm -hmm. And we had flown in, and uh, so we didn't have a barrel, and Brinson was kind of on the fence, and I was kind of just standing around out there like I do. Mm -hmm. 
And I grab his kid and I go to the fence with him and I put him up on the fence and help him up there. And then I look down the pen and that bull's turned around from the other end. And he's coming back. Oh, wow. And when I went to get up on this rodeo panel, yeah. it was tied to the horse show solid fence with one rodeo rope. Okay. As we call it. Mm-hmm. And I got on the panel, and the kid's on top, and I get up there, and it leans way into oh, the arena. No. You know what I mean? It's oh, tied no. with one damn rope. Yeah. So there's no climbing up this fence. Yeah. Or I would have been gone already. Yeah. So I oh. get on the fence holding this kid that stepped his nuts going, Ugh! Yeah. And I'm holding him up there on top of the fence. I was like, get on over. Get on over. Here comes the bull. And he gets over, and I can't get over. Yeah. So I just freeze right there about the second rung up. And hope he runs on by. Well, his right horn is kind of a queer horn, mm-hmm. kind of a cow horn, mm-hmm. and it's got a funny hook to it. Anyway, I just froze right there, expecting it. Well, then he hooks me in the ass, and I expected to go on over the fence like mm-hmm. he's supposed to. You right, know? right. Well, he rips me off the fence. I'm like, what the hell? And just rips me away from the fence. Oh, and then next thing you know, I'm looking down, and his my feet are caught around my, I mean, my clown pants are caught around my feet and my suspenders are stretching all the oh, way down there. Wow. I'm like, come on, suspenders, bust, bust. Yeah, I thought yeah. he had me in the suspenders. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, come on, bust, bust, bust. And there's yeah. badass suspenders that dig in hard. Yeah. And, you know, big badass construction suspenders. And they wasn't coming off. So I thought he was in my suspenders. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, I'm swinging like a top. I mean, I can feel the force. I'm hung to his head, and he's spinning. And I'm swinging, 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 and he stops, and he goes back the other way. And every time he'd stop, he'd hook me a little bit, and then he'd go back the other way. I'm swinging the other way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he gets tired and starts loping down the pin and big hop jumps. With you still on his head. I I am hooked to his head by my feet. Oh, stretched wow. out and my head's banging off his nuts oh my goodness so underneath him i'm wow. underneath him wow and i know saddle bronc riding and you yeah. face down face down face yeah, yeah. down the only yeah. thing you can do is concentrate and fight yeah and yeah. the person who fights the most is the winner right and so when you hung to a bitch you're gonna have to face down face down face. and he jerked me and up i'd go and face up i'd be and face down and i'd roll face down face down and then I keep spinning, I keep spinning, and then I feel my leg crack break. It's my oh, left leg. Wow. And yeah, I felt it break. Oh, and geez. at that point, at that point, I gave up, Doug. You did. And when I give up, yeah, everything turned to slow. Okay. It went to creeping. And the only way I can describe it is on... Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew McConaughey takes a sip off his whiskey and as skinny as a rail and nods for his bull. Okay. And when he does, the it all goes to slow motion and you can hear the highest pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but that triggered me. Okay. As soon as I saw that, immediately I had to get up and go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it felt like. The world stopped, and all I can do is pray. Yeah. 
And I was like, God, get me out of here mm -hmm. because I visioned myself underneath him in the stripping shoot. Oh, wow. Okay. We're all the way at the other end of the pen. He's, he's hauled you all, all the way to the end of the pen. Okay. Yeah. And now all I can envision is the stripping shoot with me underneath him. Oh my goodness. Because I ain't coming off. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the announcer, Greg Simus mm -hmm. said I was hung to his head for 50 seconds. Oh my goodness. Okay. The guy who's passed away now that used to do bulls for Sean Graham. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, good guy. Yeah. He was in the back pens at the strip and shoot. Okay. And he broke out his flip phone and he called Sean Graham. And he said, you're not going to believe what's happening to Hollywood right now. So he had time to do that. Holy cow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. While I was hung. Oh, my goodness. He told me himself. And the bullfighters couldn't get to you? I mean, there was nothing to be done? No. You know, and we had, uh, who's the bronc rider from up there that's really, really good? Uh, a little short guy from Pennsylvania. Um. Oh, Chad, Chad Oleski? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Chad Oleski was horseback okay. with a rope. Yeah. And he said, Hollywood, I couldn't rope nothing. You're yeah. hung to his head and your bounce is off his back feet. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't rope nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over him, you know? Yeah. Wow. And so as soon as I gave up mm -hmm. and visualized myself in the stripping shoot yeah. and asked God to help, yeah. bam, I came out. You did. All of a sudden, boom, I'm done. I'm out. And my shoes came off is what happened. Okay. Okay. My shoes came off and boom, I'm out and I'm on my hands and knees. I know my, he'd already kicked my shoulder out of joint okay. and then my leg broke. Okay. So I felt my shoulder go out of joint and then I felt my leg broke. And, um, so when I'm out and I'm on my hands and knees and I'm hauling butt to the fence on my hands and knees and my knees. Okay. 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 So I thought he'd snap my knee off, you know, okay. but my knee's okay. I'm like, oh, good, good, good. It's just my shoulder. That's what I was thinking as I was crawling. Yeah. It's just my shoulder. Yeah. And I get to the fence and I roll over and I look down and I've got a Joe Theismann going on. Okay. 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 You know where your legs broke down yep. there in the middle and it's flopping over here to the side. Yep. 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 And Boogerhead was the first one to me. Yeah. And I said, straighten that leg. He said, sir. Yeah. I said, you heard me. Straighten that leg right now. Yeah. And he pulls it straight. Yeah. And I said, now look in the sock. Is there any blood in that sock? He yeah. said, no, sir. Okay. I said, Keep your eye on that blood. Make sure there's no blood in that yeah. sock. No compound said, fracture. Yes, right? Right? Yeah. Okay. No compound. We don't want that. You we bet. don't want to be bleeding there. Yeah, bet. So he's like, no, sir, you're good. And so. Holy cow. They had. <laughs> and believe, I always go to the to the medics ahead of time. Yeah. Introduce myself. Yeah. Thank yeah. them for coming. Yeah. And I tell them, look, if anything goes down, you look at me. Yeah. Because I'm going to be telling you whether to come or not. Yeah. And, uh. I had already introduced myself to that lady and everything. Well, out at the fair, there was somebody that their cell phone, their cell phone fell out of their pocket on the ride and it hit somebody in the head. And so the ambulance was out yonder. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. So they finally get the ambulance in there to me. Wow. It took a while. I didn't realize this, but it took a while. Anyway, this is the funny part. So they get me on the gurney. Yeah. And they go to put it up in the ambulance. And they say, wait, 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 wait. We got him on it backwards. On the so journey backwards. Yeah. So okay. they pick me up. Okay. They pick me up with a shoulder out of joint and a broke-ass leg. Okay. They pick me up and spin the 
spin the thing around back up under me. Okay. And then they put me down on it. Okay. They, then they said, wait, wait, wait. We had it right before. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, come on. It? Tell the truth. I was think, this part this, of your act? act? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to do my act. No, they're trying to do Gizmo's act. There you go. <laughs> so, anyway, I was like, what the heck? And yeah, yeah. I was like, come on, guys. Really? Yeah. yeah. And so they put me in an ambulance, hauled me away, and I look out the back of the ambulance, and Sam Swearns and stand there white as a sheet. Yeah, yeah. And he gives me the thumbs up. Are you okay? I said, yes, sir, I'm all right. And I give him a thumbs up back. And out we went. And uh, we had flown in there. We had the dog, Brinson, four bags. So I had surgery the next day, and Brinson took over. And, of course, he did just fine. Yeah. And that's when – I had 12 major PBRs and major markets all booked through Canada. Okay. And uh, uh, Richard Jones had been a producer at many events and PBR events that Brinson had been with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and part of the act, part of the show his whole life. And he had a 17-year-old son, too. And I said, hey, Richard, I'm sending Brinson because I can't come. i got a broke leg. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes, you think he's ready? I said, I know he's ready. Yeah. I said, "If, if if you'll take care of him like you take care of your son, then I'll send him to you. Mm-hmm. And so he just, he turned 18 in November and wow. December he was gone to those events. And yeah. I had him set up with, uh, you know, the guy that stands there when you get off the plane, has got the little yep. piece of yep. paper waiting yep. on you. Yep. 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 Somebody I had him set up, up with all sure. that. And sure. saying, Hell, he's, you know, said barely, barely just turned 18. Wow. And so he, he killed him at those events. He yeah. did well. Uh, the first time I, uh, th- this goes back to that entertainer thing you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I called Richard Jones after that first weekend. I said, Hey, what about it? How'd he do? He goes, Oh, he's all right. And he said, well, We just got to knock a little bit more of that rodeo off of him. Ah, okay. See what I'm saying? So there, the there comes up, you know, we got to knock a little bit more of that rodeo off of him. He'll be all right. <laughs> so, and of course, you see, um, and then he calls me because he didn't know what to be. He didn't know where to wear. I said, You're damn sure not wearing shorts. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. matter what, you're not going to wear shorts right. like Flint. You're not going to go in there looking like everyone else. You've got to be different. Yeah. And so he was wearing his clown pants and a jersey. Mm-hmm. And he asked the guys, you know, he was boogerhead. And mm-hmm. Sean Gleason said, there'll be no boogerheads in the right, PBR. Right, right. He called me. He goes, Dad, they don't want me to be boogerhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, how about Boogie James? Because <laughs> you dance. Right, right. And he goes to the guy. He goes, what about Boogie James? And he looks at him and says, how about just be your name, kid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of pissed off. Okay. And he called me and goes, hey, Daddy, the guy was kind of pissed off. He said, just be your name. I said, then you're Brinson James. There you go. Okay? Yeah. That's yeah. what you are. You're okay. Brinson James, the entertainer. Okay. And he goes, okay. So, boom, that was it. And uh, that's kind of how, uh, you know, we got him started over there anyway. Yeah, you bet. But it was all because of the wreck in yeah. Boston. Yeah, okay. Now, you any, know? not the first time you dislocate your shoulder, right? Not, not the first time. Okay. No. <laughs> and they put that back and are you okay now with the shoulder, you know, as you're getting older? Well, we aging? didn't get it. Anybody, anybody that's got shoulder problems, we didn't get it fixed yeah. again. I, yeah. It was fixed back in, you know, the eighties. Okay. And, um, uh, but I didn't get it fixed again. And actually now my, my, my good shoulders, my bad shoulders. Oh, so wow. okay. it, it'll still come out of joint if I, you know, shower wrong or roll over in bed wrong or something. Really? Like that, but really? And you can put it back in that, pretty easy. Uh, well, it ain't easy, but I can get it back. <laughs> and yeah. and the leg all healed up. The leg, uh, actually, I would believe it or not, that was the story in itself. I'm up there in Gainesville trying to get, and the guy says, "Yeah, well, you need a trauma surgeon." I said, "No, it was sports medicine." I went to the sports medicine place. Okay, okay. 
And here's these very high quality. I mean, they do all the the people at University of Florida. And when we walked through, I got this general doctor guy. Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. I don't have the sports the sports medicine guys. I got this general guy, and it's like the third time I've been in there to see him. And they keep messing me around. It, it, we got four weeks now. We got. I'm fixing to go back rodeoing for long. I got to get this thing fixed. Right. <clears throat> because it, it wasn't working right. Uh, we got it fixed up there, came home, and it was bad, crooked, bad, wrong. It, it was bad, and I had to have it fixed. Oh, you did? So okay. I go to these sports medicine guys, come on. And um, uh, I walk by their break room, and there's them three doctors. I know what they look like. They're sitting in there with their feet up. Yeah. And so we get in the room, and I said, look, man. And finally, I said, Doc, I said, didn't I thought maybe you got in this business to help people. <laughs> but now you're probably in it for the money. Yeah. He goes, I need fixed. I, I said, I need fixed, and I need fixed now because I got to go back to work and feed my family. He goes, right. Mr. Harris, yeah. what would you like for me to do? Yeah. That smart ass kind of. Yeah. And I said, what I want you to do is go down there to your cronies in the sports medicine section. Tell them to come fix me. Yeah. Instead of talking to you, go yeah. down there and get the guys who can fix my leg. Yeah. He looks at me and goes, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he takes my x-rays down there and he comes back and said, they looked at it and you need a trauma surgeon. Really? Okay. Oh, crap. Okay. All right. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's not Sadasafan because I'd already been warned. Don't go to him. Okay. Well, sure enough, it's Sadasafan. Okay. But he's an ankle guy, they say. Yeah. And so I get there to the thing and he looks at me and I said, why aren't I sports medicine? He laughed. He goes, Mr. Harris, he said, you're, you're 53. He said, sports medicine, 18 to 25. Oh. You know sports medicine. <laughs> well, you 53. Yeah, yeah. You trauma. you got no cartilage. Mm. Mm. Young people have cartilage and they can heal back. you yeah. got no cartilage. Okay. He said, you, you're 53. And he laughed. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, why didn't somebody tell me that before? But right. anyway. Right, right. So... He said, now in Dallas, and as soon as he said Dallas, bing, the light went off in my phone. I got Tandy Freeman's cell oh, number. good golly. Okay. I mean, we used to we used to ride on plane together every weekend, you, you know? Bet. You bet. And, and I said, oh, crap. Why didn't I think about Tandy? I hadn't thought about him yet. So I called Tandy and said, dude, I'm fixing to have to have a fusion, yada, yada, yada. I don't mm-hmm. want to fuse it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, the guy who taught me everything I know is here in Dallas. Yep. And, um, yep. and so, uh, I went to Dallas you did. and to expect to get fixed. Yeah. And he said, no, nope, sorry, we got to fuse it. Got to fuse it. So, yeah. So they fused it and you know, I, I still jog a little, I, I okay. still jog slower than everybody else, Okay. but, um, I can still get around and, uh, uh, all's good. It feels good. And he said, come see me in 10 years. I'll put you a new ankle joint in there. Okay. Okay. So I called him. Uh, probably two months ago. Really? And said, Hey, it's been 10 years. Yeah. He said, he's going to put a new ankle joint. Has he, has he built one yet? Yeah. And I said, he's working on a really, really good one called the star now. Anyway. So if I want to go through with that, I can probably go get another ankle joint. But other than that, it's fused, got a bunch of screws in it. And, and we pain? just keep on keeping on. And pain? Um, not, not, not nearly as much as the rest of my body. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, um, uh, are you still back working? You're you're still going hard, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I did 41 rodeos this year. You did. Um, I just got done. I got one more freebie for the church, and uh, other than that, we're doing good. Yeah. Okay. And 2024 is booked. Looks good. 
Yeah, I'm a, I've am I've really wanted to start staying in Texas. You know, finally, Texas started paying enough for their entertainers. Okay. And we got some guys out there, Johnny Dudley and some other folks who, who finally got our prices up. Okay. And because Texas was the cheapest place in a while. One guy's been working out there forever. Yeah. And um, uh, so I really want to stay in Texas. I'm just sick and tired of bouncing around the country. Yeah. Because COVID kind of screwed up our yeah. runs. Yeah. I, I used to go to Canada all in July and then Australia in uh, August. And um, and now it, that took all away. So I had to kind of build new runs. And I've been bouncing around the country for three years now. Okay. Bing, bang, boom, boom, okay. back and forth. And okay. I want to quit that. And every little town's got a new poker room in Texas. So that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. Uh, so, so in this section of our, of our episode, we're going to, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, several of our listeners have, have, have some interesting questions they want to know about you. Okay. Right. Um, okay. let, let's start at the beginning here. How did you get the name Hollywood? <laughs> uh, me and my buddy Charlie Albright were going from Texas to Florida to work a little rodeo for Bo Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I needed a name. Mm-hmm. Everybody called, hey, clown, hey, clown, hey, clown. Well, my name's Cliff. They don't remember that. Hey, clown, hey, yeah, clown. Yeah. And so we were going, how about Bobo, Bebo, all these crappy names, you know. And he goes, what about Hollywood Harris? Yeah. I went, okay, well, I don't like Hollywood. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That, that, I don't like that. You know, like, hey, that's old Hollywood. You know, I, you know, it's not me, but it was alliterative. Yeah. And it worked. Hollywood Harris, and it worked. So okay. that night we tried it, and all the kids were like, "Hey Hollywood, hey Hollywood, there hey you Hollywood." Go. There you so go. it worked. And what year and would so that have been? I'm sorry. What year would that have been? Ooh, that would have been '85 or and six. That's something. Okay, all this time, perfect. Yep, perfect. All right, here's another question. How do you? How did you choose your makeup? So let me let me break this down a little bit. Are you today what you're wearing in the arena the same as what you started back in the mid '80s? Yes, it is. Where's minus the nose. Minus the nose. No- I wore a Wuchi nose okay. to, to change the look of my face a little bit. Okay. But minus minus the nose, yes. Okay. Where did that come from? How did you how did you find I was, that? I thought I I thought I was doing Emmett Kelly. Emmett Kelly. Uh, it's a okay. hobo. It's a hobo style clown. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was putting Emmett Kelly's face on mm-hmm. and come to find out is nowhere near. No, it's kind of the same premise with the down mouth uh, as yeah. far as hobo, but yeah. it, it was nowhere near. Uh, it, in fact, I called it when you hold them together. Mine looks like a cartoon hobo clown. Okay. okay. Way more makeup, way more solid. And it wasn't until I, I, I asked for, we were talking about going to Australia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they, she texts me and she goes, I don't know how to ask this, but can you change your makeup? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? She goes, well, we're having a lot of racial issues oh, around here. So oh. some people of color uh-huh. take that face as a black face. I see. I see. Which it's not. No. It's a hobo face. Okay. It's a hobo clown. Yeah. But yeah. with that makeup being as black as black as black. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, big round white eyes and, mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. mouth like that and black yeah. all over everywhere else. Yeah. It kind of, so I can see where it looks like it. So, yeah. of course, I can change, Yeah. but I wouldn't change my face. So now what I do is I just barely make the beard part black. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Just, just, it just, I mean, just like spread it really thin. Yeah. And so it looks more like bearded than 
black ass black. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. All right. Another so question. That's how I got it. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Another question. Uh, your baggies. I don't. I mean, you're, that's pretty unique. The way you wear them, they're long, longer. Where in the world? When did you start wearing them, and where do you find them? Wrangler. Wrangler. Yeah, 50 off the shelf. <laughs> what no, are they? they're clown. They're specifically specifically made for clowns. They, they are have two styles. Okay. One is 52 twenties. Okay. Which is fifty-two waist, twenty-inch yeah. legs. Okay. That okay. Be- that becomes the funny part that your 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 crotch part is way down there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the others are long pants ones that you'll see Keith Isley wearing. I see. And they're fifty. They might be fifty thirties or fifty thirty fives, but anyway, they're longer leg, and they'll call them bullfighters because bullfighters can jack them up and wear and wear them long pants. Okay. okay. So back in the day, like for instance, if you'd be watching uh, Rex Dunn, mm-hmm. Rex Dunn would be wearing those style. Okay. Uh, in fact, he might even had Lee Riders, but but they're two different sizes that we get from Wrangler. And yeah, you're you're entitled to two pair a year if you have a PRCA card. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you've worn those all the way through your career? Yes. Uh, okay. Wranglers. Yep. Okay. All right. Here's another question. How far ahead do you schedule? We just talked about 2024. How far ahead do you schedule? I probably got 10 rodeos booked for next year already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about one for, you know, maybe two at the outside for the following year. Some bigger rodeos can book you two years out. You know, they've got uh, Johnny Dudley or somebody for the next one and say, hey, let's how about 25? I think it was uh, Giddings, Texas or something. I talked to him the other day and he said, yeah, can we book for 25? I'm oh, like, yeah, wow. sure. Wow. So, okay. um, yeah, you know, they're, they're some of the larger ones and, and those Texas ones, they reach out a little earlier. So yeah. thank goodness. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, I've got, like I said, 10 and I'm fixing to make some phone calls now and put some more in place Okay. as far as Texas. All right. All right. And, uh, here's another question. What makes you laugh? <laughs> and what makes me laugh yeah uh man a lot of stuff i yeah. mean i'm I, I love to laugh so um you know uh i don't know good jokes make me laugh yeah you know i love good jokes you know but uh me and my girl we just laugh all the time so okay. we, we pretty much have a lot of fun okay but as far as what makes me laugh yeah Good, good comedy. I yeah. mean, I really like, uh, you know, I like Saturday Night Live. I like stand-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's all I do. I watch on, on TV. I watch poker, UFC, and stand-up comedy. <laughs> wow, what a mix. And, um, yeah. 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 Uh, so you talked about doing stand-up com- comedy, and this is this is for me, not for my listeners. You talked about doing stand-up comedy. I mean, you're at a mic. You're doing a 15-minute set, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. so it was three, three to ten minutes. Three to yeah. ten minutes, and it's what, a open. It was open mic night in a few places like that. And and do you enjoy that? Oh, I would, I, I would absolutely love it. Yeah, if I if I can work on my material and and it starts working a little more, I would absolutely love it. Now, okay. I haven't run into those spots where the heckler is there. Yeah. I haven't run into that room that is ridiculous that they don't like me yeah. you know so the first place i went was older folks uh mostly retired folks and okay. that's my crowd by okay. golly 
and it, it really worked the first night. In fact, there was some there was three open mic people and three people that got paid. Okay. And uh, my girlfriend's like, you did better than any of the people that got paid. Nice. nice. And I said, very cool. And, you know, they was all going, hey, yo, you did a good job. Yada, yada, yada. So, and it felt good yeah. and, it, and it worked. Yeah. So the next month we were in, if we got time, I can tell my, my, my big one, we went to Fargo, North Dakota. Uh-huh. And we always Google ahead of time, are there any comedy clubs and when's the open mic night? Well, it was that night. Oh, wow. And so we show up, and we're going to get a little bite to eat next door. And I see this guy writing in a little notebook, and mm-hmm. I know he's writing jokes. Yeah. I said, dude, you standing up tonight? He's like, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I book comics. I don't do comedy. So I, I book comics. I said, really? Here in Fargo? He goes, you would be surprised. He <laughs> goes, there's probably 30 working professional comics here in Fargo, North Dakota. And I was like, really? He yeah. goes, yeah, it's a big comedy city. Wow. And he said, this place would be pretty pretty crowded tonight. Yeah. And there was like 20-something people, and he's only going to take 17. Okay. So I walk in. He goes, get there early and get your name on the list. Yeah. And so I walk yeah. in there, and I get my name, and I get a little sport jacket on, you know, yeah. and everything. Yeah. I look, look a little different than everybody else. And I go up to the guy, and I look at him. I said, hey, my name's Clifton Harris. I've been a rodeo professional traveling rodeo clown for 36 years. Put me up late. I got this. Okay. <laughs> I looked me up and down. He looked me up and down. He goes, all right. Yeah. And, uh, of course he put me, well, it was pride month. Okay. That week in Fargo, that month in Fargo. Okay. And the first person up there was a trans native American. Okay. Yeah. I still can't tell you whether her name is, Debbie or Dallin, I don't know. Right, right. But it was funny. Yeah. And and so I was like, holy crap, what what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. The whole place is full of full of uh, uh LBGTQ ones. Okay. And so and so I'm like, uh oh, what have I done? Well, everybody got it up there. I just started writing something funny down about them. Okay. Okay. So I got about 10, 15 people in front of me, you know, yeah. when I get up there, I just started hagging on all of them. I yeah. said, I, what have I got into? Yeah. I said, we're driving down the road. We see this on the internet. We figured, Hey, let's go try a joke or two. Yeah. And boy, have I stepped in it. I said. <laughs> and I said, you know, and then I started making fun of all of them and that yeah. worked. It did. Okay. And then, and then I said, so here I am, I, I feel like your dad, but I've been a traveling professional full time. For 39 years, a rodeo clown. Yeah. And, and the place goes, wow, just yeah. busts out real loud. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect to hear that from all you queers. <laughs> and they just went nuts, okay. you know. And, okay. And so, and I told a couple of little stories there of mine, and and it went really well. And everybody came up afterward, you know, oh, you're a rodeo clown. Yeah, 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 it's all good and all great. And then another place I went some other time in Colorado, I think we went in somewhere and it, it didn't go so good, yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, it was late night. It's yeah. eight people in the crowd, yeah. you know, yeah. so, yeah. but, uh, you know, all I got to do is I have a million stories. Right. Right. And I just, if I could have a comic sit down with me and go, oh, let's tweak this here and tweak this there. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Cause yep. I got a million stories and they're all funny, yep. but I got to put those those in between funny as hell parts, you know. You bet. So, so you made mention earlier about if you didn't have the makeup, you probably couldn't do it. Something to that effect. Uh, what's it like stand up on a microphone without your makeup on? Nothing to hide behind. 
it's it's pretty tough. Um, you know, over the years, I've gotten more comfortable doing that. Okay. Um, okay. If you get if if I'm the announcer, yeah, and I have to stand up there and say this exactly, mm-hmm. I'm gonna screw it up. Okay. Okay. I will screw it up. Now, if you just let me sit up there and just be me, yeah, you know, I'll be okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I wrote down my stuff and I had it in my in my hand if I needed to look down at it, but um. I, it it would be fine, you know, because we've I've done a bull riding dinner show down here in the villages, and I do it as the MC. Okay. And it, it works it works for that, so you know I can I can do it, but um, there's nothing to hide behind, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's right, that's right. Um, so when I saw you in in the IFR, you were giving advice. You were talking about, hey, this is the way this works, and here's some things to consider. So let's say a, a young person comes up to you and says, you know what? I want to be in the rodeo business. I like what you're doing. Now, bullfighting, you know, it's not as much bullfighting as it used to be. Uh, I'd like to be an entertainer. I'd like to go down the road. What's your advice? <laughs> Well, we do it all the time. We have a little clown school in North Dakota in uh, early April, mm. first week in April, last week in March, somewhere around there. And we usually have two or three every year. But, you know, the best thing is to come up with the uh, the best thing is to come up with a, um, a, a face. And, um, you know, when they walk out in the arena, they needs to be OK the very first time they do it. Okay. So, okay. for instance, last winter, there was a guy um, that wanted to be a clown mm-hmm. and he hooked up with another guy and they he said, hey, you need to call Hollywood Harris. He'll help you. Mm-hmm. Well, I helped him all winter. Mm-hmm. Find a face. OK. OK. And we found a face that worked for him and we put a uh, uh, he had like a kind of little welding cap kind of thing. And it looked great. Mm hmm. And he's and I sent him the clown jeans and the whole nine yards to get him a, an outfit. Yep. And the first show he goes to, he puts on shorts, a sponsor shirt, and little triangles underneath his eyes, like the all the bullfighters that want to do. Oh. And a straw hat. Okay. So nothing. And he's gone out and sold his. He's gone out and sold about twelve different sponsors for yeah. his shirt. Yeah. And he's never clowned a rodeo. Oh my goodness. And then he, he buys a $3,000 barrel that he charges to a sponsor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's never worked a rodeo. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I showed him, he just threw out the window and tried to look like Slim mm-hmm. okay. or okay. other people. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get it that the shorts and the Jersey came for a specific reason mm-hmm. and it doesn't look funny. Right. At all. Right. And so, you know, I was like, come on, man, what, you know, why did, why did I spend six months trying to help you? And then you go and do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I say is let's get to a feast first. Okay. Get you a few jokes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and try. And try. And here's, here's, here's three jokes. Start with this one, then do this one, then do this one. Yep. See if they work. If they don't work, keep telling them until you get them to work. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of what I do is you got to start with a face mm-hmm. and start practicing, putting it on. And then by golly, you, you get it on. And if, if you're eager enough, I'll get you a shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find you a shot. Brent okay. has got a little kid down here that was 15 or 16 that, uh, he gave him a shot to, And they're like, Holy crap, this kid's going to be good. Okay. 
Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there, the clown school in North Dakota, I believe you said. <clears throat> yeah. How, uh-huh. how, yeah, how do they find that? Is there a way? Abrahamson, Abrahamson rodeo school. Abrahamson. Yep. Abrahamson rodeo school. Okay. Okay. And I'll put that link for our listeners. Yeah. I'll put that in our, in our listener notes. Okay. Thank you. you bet. Well, this has been a blast and I got one, oh, man. one final question, Hollywood. Okay, I'm, you, I'm worried. You've done a bunch of interviews all over the country. You've worked for the PBR. You've worked for the PRCA. You've been in the Gund Arena carrying Boogerhead in a bag, for goodness sakes. In all the in all the interviews that you've been in, what interview question had they never asked you that you wish somebody would just ask you? And then tell us what that is and what would you answer? Well, I'm thinking that, you know, the first thing that pops in my mind is, is that, you know, how does God connect with this story? Okay. And I've never been asked, how does, how does God work in a rodeo clown life? Okay. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've had a big part. God has a big part in my life and in in uh, Brinson's life and how we've been able to be happy our entire lives, whether we got money or not. And, um, you know, there is a spirit that is with us, whether you think it's God, whether you think it's your, your daddy watching over you, but we have a God and we have a spirit. And, uh, I, you know, the, the, the accident gave me PTSD. Okay. I've held three kids while they passed from this earth. Oh, wow. in my arms yeah. at the rodeos. Mm. And I'm a tough son of a gun to get through all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty badass. Mm. But when that wreck happened to me and when that slowed down and God went Bink! and slowed everything down and said, what are you doing? Mm. Regroup. And so that's how God worked in my life that time is like, what the hell are you doing? You need to revalue your life. And it wasn't long after that, uh, you know, I'm still limping around. It's the next summer and mm-hmm. I, I'm, we're, me and Brinson are in Utah and a bucking horse and big survey bucket horse and two pickup men run me over broad chested, run me over right in the middle of his chest, runs me over wow. and it turns me a complete flip and I'm standing on my feet when we're done. Mm-hmm. And I look up and my hat's flying through the air, little mm-hmm. bitty short derby hat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why didn't that hurt? Mm-hmm. They literally ran me over, rolled me in a ball in a flip. And when we're done, I'm standing here behind them and not a spot on me is sore. I'm like, how'd that happen? Mm-hmm. And the announcer, the, the photographer comes running across the arena going, Hollywood, 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 you got to look at this. And he shows me the pictures. And that horse kicked with two feet and kicked my hat off of my head. And you know the bra- the black hat I'm talking yep, about. Yep, yep. It's on your website. With, a, yep. with a, yep. about an inch and a half inch brim. Yep. He kicked that hat with two feet and it went pow, about 20 feet in the air. And he showed me that clip, clip, clip in the feet right behind one inch from the back of my head. Wow. And I was like, God's trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. 
And so it was reevaluate. And uh, about that time, you know, uh, my mom passed, my dog died, my wife left me. <laughs> Things were going downhill, but God still has a plan. And as you can see through my son, you know that, uh, you know, we put him in a pretty good spot to be successful. And it was all because of that accident. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Brenton drowned when he was 10 months old. Did not know that. Wow. You did, did not. Yeah. So I was, I was in Georgia and he and his mom were in Texas and we were putting in concrete. If you know what that's like working mm -hmm. your butt off. Mm -hmm. And I'd already talked to my girl that my wife that morning, back mm -hmm. then we talked about once every three days cause we didn't have cell phones. And, um, all of a sudden I just dropped my shovel and walked inside. He says, where the hell are you going? I said, something's wrong. Yeah. And yeah. I went inside and I called and, uh, he had drowned in the toilet, and they were doing CPR on him right then. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, and wow. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I heard the whole room scream, Oh, he's breathing, he's breathing, he's breathing. Oh, my gosh. So I'm putting in concrete with six trucks backed up, mm -hmm. and I just dropped my shovel mm -hmm. and walked inside because something told me something's wrong. Wow. And walked inside. So I listen. I pray. Every time I leave, get in the truck, we, when we're on trips, we give everything to God and just let him give back what we need. And so, you know, those things that, you know, these are, these are things that are in your spirit, you know, that clowning stuff's, you know, where I'm supposed to be. Yep. And, and, you know, one guy said he was at my restaurant one day and he's sitting there staring at me. And I thought maybe I made his chicken salad wrong or something. Yeah. And he looks, he goes, that's you, isn't it? I said, what do you mean? He said, that picture right there is a big painting behind me. Yeah. I said, yes, sir. That's me. He goes, you're Hollywood Harris, aren't you? Yeah. And that's Boogerhead. I said, yes, sir. Yeah. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I had just lost my wife. She died of cancer. And I hadn't laughed in six months. And I came to your show and I laughed all evening. And I went home with a different attitude. Okay. So God has something to do with this tinny, any clown and crap, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, and he has a lot to do with mine and my son's lives. And, uh, and we're thankful and we're thankful every day. Wow. Well said, my friend. Well said. Excellent. I'm glad I asked you that question because what a great, great, great response. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's what I got from the heart. You know what I mean? You bet. You bet. We don't, we don't make a lot of money or I don't in this business, but, uh, yep. uh, yep. it's, it's all about your heart and what you feel and who you meet. All about your heart, what you feel and what you meet. You bet. I appreciate that. You bet, man. Wow. My honor. What a, what a great conversation, dude. What a great, great, too, great man. conversation. I'm so tickled to reconnect with you and, and uh, it has been so fun to catch up with you. And I know you got you a too. hand or two of poker. Been waiting for you this whole <laughs> doggone time. Um, That's all right. I really appreciate this. Sure. <laughs> all right, man. We hope that you enjoy our podcast as much as Cliff and I enjoy doing it. If you do, please share it with your friends. To make your listening easier, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search for Beyond the Shoots and follow us. Remember, remember, thank you to Parasite Systems for their support with our podcast. Now, Parasite System is a push-button parasitic diagnostic system for your pasture animals. 
horses, cattle, goat, sheep, chickens, and for your companion animals, dogs and cats, you can find them at ParasiteSystems.com. And we've got a coupon for 50% off your test kits, BTC023. And this is Beyond the Shoots with Hollywood Harris. Until next time, thank you for listening.